Coming up on this episode, author Riley Hart is here to talk about her love of flawed characters, strong friends, and found family. Welcome to episode 286 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad that you could join us for another episode. Boy, January was a month, wasn't it? It was. Hello, February. Glad to meet you. Yeah, welcome. Let's, (laughs) Let's hope this month goes a little bit better. That being said, we hope that you enjoyed the January book club episode featuring K.J. Charles's historical romance in Unseen Attraction. If you haven't listened to it yet, spoiler, we loved it to pieces. Mm-hmm. It's a great book to kick off 2021 with. I wholeheartedly agree. And let's keep the great book train chugging along. We're very happy to announce that the February book club selection is Awkward Love by Riley Hart. And we're, we're swinging from historicals now back to contemporary. This book is funny. It is so, so good. It's going to be just a lighthearted romp for February. Riley's going to be giving us all the details on Awkward Love in just a few moments. Members of our Patreon community will get an exclusive sneak peek of this episode that is coming your way this week. And for everyone else, don't worry. You don't have long to wait. The book club episode will be dropping into the regular podcast feed on Thursday, February 25th. And I had such a wonderful time talking to Riley. Like you said, we're going to talk a little bit about Awkward Love. We're actually going to get a look at really three widely different books from Riley. Awkward Love, as I mentioned, is this kind of lighthearted, just feel good, wrap you up in a nice blanket with these two wonderful characters. But then we're also going to talk about her release from late last year with Beautiful and Terrible Things, which is much more angst and a little heavier. And then we're going to go in another direction with her book that releases a little later this month called Finding Ian, which focuses on a thruple. So very different things there. And we'll also find out all kinds of other good stuff. And Riley's got excellent book recommendations at the end too. So let's jump into the interview. Riley, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to have you here. It's been a long time. It has. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I was looking back. We're at like episode 286 here, and you were on the first time back in 112. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) GRL Denver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. It was fun. (laughs) We have so much to talk about. First of all, Awkward Love is our Big Gay Fiction book club selection for February. I'm absolutely so in love with Will and Jameson. I can't even tell you. (laughs) Oh, that makes me happy. For our listeners who haven't read this book that came out last fall, tell them what they've got in store for them with this story. Well, I really wanted to hopefully make people laugh, right? Engaging characters there. Jameson is about to start his PhD program in the fall. And so he's kind of been just super busy with school and it's summer. And so he just wants to have a fling and lose his virginity, which he hasn't. And his friends take him to a bachelor auction and buy him a date. And that's where Will comes in. And they end up deciding to have a fling together. And then of course they, you know, Will works for his dad and he doesn't know that and all of the shenanigans from there. I really like what you did here with the family elements because Will's got issues with his family and his brothers and Jameson has similar issues with his dad. 
And I thought it wrought a really nice dynamic to the story and how they both have these similar family issues. Where did the idea for that come from to spin that into the story for them? It's kind of funny because this was actually originally when I started the book before Stupid Love, it was going to be a standalone. (laughs) It wasn't going to be a series. So Will was never actually supposed to have a book and Jameson wasn't in the first one. But something about Will just would not leave me alone after I finished writing the first book because he's just, I mean, he's confident and cocky and he has this just fun loving personality but I knew that there was more to him than that and so once his story came to me first really when I really he had the brothers and all of that and it's it was just I wanted a way to I guess connect them and to show that while they're very different because this is an opposite to track story you know how similar our lives can be or similarities that we do all have to each other if we kind of take the time to look a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And I do like the opposites attract here because Will is, as you said, just like this majorly confident, <laughs> outgoing, ready for anything guy. And then Jameson is the awkward of awkward love. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him so much. <laughs> I do too. So often I just want to wrap him up in a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, like, me too. It is okay. And it's okay to feel like you're feeling too, you know, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's a really nice dynamic that you brought there too, because I like how you've got Will who isn't like, come on, snap out of it. It's not mean that way. He wants to make things better for Jameson without trying to necessarily change him at the same time, which I think a lot of variations of this story could have been. Well, yeah, and I think that that is one of the things that makes Will special and both of them special because Jameson is just himself in all his awkward glory and Will sees something special in him. And he, I think for him, because he is so confident and cocky, I think in some ways he kind of also has a role to fit this guy who just smiles all the time and all this and then he has just this silly goofy guy who you know freaks out because he ate a, a peanut and he's afraid of her so they kiss that he's gonna have a peanut allergy but it's just it's endearing to him and it was really fun to write that dynamic between them yeah i have to imagine that it was a lot of fun to have such two diverse characters. I mean, you always want a little bit of an opposite thing going on in a romance anyway, but these two are so opposite mm-hmm. that you almost get to tr- put a whole different writing hat on. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it, it was challenging because I think that, and that that's even where the backstory ties in because I think sometimes you need that because they are so different, which is a good thing in a lot of ways. Like you said, people can, we can be attracted to someone who is different because of that but but what connects them outside of that what what makes them similar because we do I think all have some type of similarity and I have to ask because the cover is so perfect and sometimes there are covers that are 100% perfect and sometimes there are covers that come close to who's in the Mm -hmm. book this book cover is Jameson did you have the cover first or did you luck into the cover on the other side or? No, I got lucky because I knew what he looked like and I knew, and I did not want to change it. He was just, I mean, I love the bow ties. He's just, he's too cute and adorable. And I cannot tell you 
how many sites and how many hours and how many photos. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, how did this happen? I found the perfect image. And it just, it was him. I really, really got lucky because at one point I was like, I'm going to have to either change him, which I did not want to, or put Will on the cover, which I didn't want to either. But I mean, it's Jameson's story in that way. Like you said, Jameson puts the awkward in awkward love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like, this is so perfect. You mentioned that the first book in this series wasn't meant to be the beginning of a series. Tell us a little bit about that first book and the series overall. Do, do we get more of the Stumbling into Love series? We do. I'm working on the third book right now. I won't say who it is because you haven't, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> so you will see who that is. But yes, that should probably come out probably summer is what I'm guessing. I'm working on it now. And it, it, when I started Stupid Love, that's the first one. I knew I wanted to write an interracial romance and I just wanted to do something fun, just light and fun and make people smile. And it was the beginning of the pandemic, the beginning of last year and everybody was just like oh my gosh we're struggling and just the beginning of 2020 and so I just wanted to write something fun and I smiled my way through that book and I fell in love with Will and then I knew that I had to continue on from there so I'm hoping and I tried to continue that theme with the second one the third one is a tad bit heavier but not really I'm still trying to keep that almost romantic comedy I guess feel which is kind of what I was going for with that series Yeah, I definitely see that with Awkward Love. And I think I'm going to have to go backwards and read the first one because from what I see of Elijah and Shaw in Awkward Love, it's like, well, these two are adorable. And I can only imagine how awesome their, (laughs) you know, coming together was. Yeah, Shaw got thrown for a loop, I'll tell you. He did not expect to fall in love. (laughs) I've gotten that impression. Yeah, he was pretty anti-love. <laughs> that one that seems to be a actually... thing in that friend group because Will was kind of anti-love as well. In a way, yeah, he was. I think, and I think Will, in a different way, he's more. I'm young. I'm having fun. Let's, you know, why do I have to settle down right now? To where Shaw was like, nope, never gonna do it. But funnily enough, in the first one, he actually runs an online anonymous dating and love advice in the first book. And he does it anonymously online, which is funny because Mr. Anti-Love is giving love advice. (laughs) (laughs) Which is often how they find love. (laughs) Yeah, yep, exactly. (laughs) Backing up into the very end of last year, Beautiful and Terrible Things came out. I haven't had a chance to read this one yet, but I have to say that this blurb has got to be one of the most beautiful blurbs I've ever read. There's something very Mm -hmm. lyrical about it. So this is high on my to-read list, and it's still like very near the top of the charts in these weeks since it has come out. Tell us a little bit about Joey and Gage. Um, This is kind of the book of my heart. I mean, of course, we love, I mean, we love everything that you write, but I think certain characters just touch you a little differently and, and a little just in a special way. And these guys do that for me. I was super nervous because, again, back to 2020, it's been a hard year. And I'm thinking everybody wants to be happy because the world's falling apart. And I'm writing this super depressing book. (laughs) Like, no one's going to want to read this depressing book right now. But they wouldn't leave me alone. I couldn't not tell their story. And it starts the first time they meet when they're 
six years old and they're in kindergarten. And then the book is broken up into four parts kind of throughout their life and the events that take place. I really wanted to show how one moment, I guess, can really change anything, like change your whole life, change your trajectory, change who you are, where you go from there. And I, you never know when that moment is going to happen until it does. And, and for them, there's almost like the, the before Joey engage and then the after Joey engage. And they are become two totally different people, really, in a lot of ways, because their life was changed so much. But it's about how they find a way back to each other, how they grow together. Really, I think the power of love and not just romantic love, but self-love, which is something very important to both of them that they have to figure out. Friendship. I really, really love writing books with strong groups of friends. Found family, that's a big theme for me. And they have that and in this book. And it's just that the power of the people around us and ourselves to succeed, I think, and to be able to get through anything. What makes it the book of your heart? The characters, just them. I mean, because it it has nothing that happens in that book happened to me. But I think I'm very much a character writer. And it's funny, someone just sent me a review for it tonight, because they let me know that they finished reading it. And one of the lines said something about they could feel the pieces of me that I left on the pages. And it's funny because I always say that it's the book of my heart, even though these characters have lived a totally different life than me. But I just, I feel like I connected with them, with their their love for each other and their willingness, um, especially Gage, I think he's very much would do anything for someone he cares about, whether it's Joey or a friend or whatever. And the self-sacrifices that people make, it just really touched me. And it just, yeah, it's one of the books I'm most proud of that I've written. That's awesome. What was your nugget of inspiration here that sprouted these two characters? It's kind of weird because at first I was like, I don't really know where the story came from. But then I was watching a movie and I can't remember the name of it right now. And it had this like reunion scene where these friends were all sitting around the table and they hadn't seen each other in years. And it was just this beautiful reunion of these people who grew up together and then went their separate ways. And something about that scene, I think, kind of struck me. And I wanted to, which then got me onto the path of like, okay, what happens if you have these two guys who grew up together and were best friends and something happened in their life that tears them apart that changes who they are at their core and then but not their love for each other so I think it, it came randomly from one scene in a movie <laughs> and then it just goes from there it's so funny I was just even saying last night sometimes I don't even think I can say where the ideas come from or they can come from anywhere I was I watch a lot of movies I was watching a movie last night with my daughter it, it's kind of a funny story, I think is what it's called. And it takes place in an inpatient. Uh, have you seen it? Yes. I've it's, seen it. It's yeah. Re it's yes, really, really good. good. Yes. And yes, it's a book too. But there was just one line in it about living your life with purpose or some, I don't even remember what the line was, but it's something on that. But as soon as I, I heard that one line and then my brain just like exploded with an idea, you know, and that's the, then I'm jotting it down because I'm in the middle of writing other stuff. So I don't forget. So just anything random. So Joey and Gage came from a random scene in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when the when 
you just never know where the inspiration is going to come from. It doesn't have to be that you're doing something specific to generate the ideas, but just out of nowhere, just boom, there, there's something. Yeah, it is. It's funny how it happens too, you know, just, I guess that's the creative brain and it, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes I'm racking my brain for days, weeks to try to figure out what to write, but then you have those perfect moments to where it just kind of all falls into place. Now let's jump into the future a little bit. We keep kind of maneuvering through the last couple months. <laughs> You've got a new book coming at the end of this month called Finding Ian. Mm -hmm. What do readers have in store with this new book? This one's actually a trio. So there's three guys in it. And it's the second. I have a series, but it's well, it's not really a series. I call it a collection. It's called Desires Unleashed. And these are books that are a little more kinky and erotic than I typically write. And so I, I kind of brand them differently. So readers who come in, if that's what they're looking for. They know to grab that. If that's not what they're looking for, they know to stay away from that. So this is a trio book. And it's the second book in that in a series within that collection. And so, yeah, this is, it's, I mean, it can't be any different, more different from Awkward Love than, <laughs> than possible, I think. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the story. It is three guys who know each other through a couple from the first book. And the one guy is a dominant, his name is David, and he ends up kind of deciding to play to teach this one who is actually looking to become submissive and then Ian who thought he wanted nothing to do with the lifestyle kind of stumbles along into it with them and he kind of finds that he gets something from it he was left by his mother when he was younger and it kind of fulfills a part of him that he didn't know was missing and then you know these two guys because he's afraid to love because love means having things taken away when it, you when you think about it. for him it does and so it's just the story about the three of them kind of learning that lifestyle together and finding their place together and it's not easy i mean it comes a relationship is hard enough between two people <laughs> three people i can't imagine <laughs> i think that i'm very very picky when it comes to reading books with three people or this will be the second one that i've written but it has to be the right story for me because i for me i need three equal parts mm -hmm. and, and each of them kind of have to play a role to, okay, what does this, what do they get from this person? What does David bring to the table? What does Ian bring to the table? What does Jordan and what does each of them get from the other to where they're all equal and they're all in that together? Because it's really hard when I'm reading one and I feel sorry for one other people or feel like one of the people is left out. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's tricky to navigate them. And I give props to people who write them all the time because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things, as you said, play in to when you're writing that type of relationship. As a writer, I don't know that I ever want to try to tackle that because I don't know that I would do it justice. No, and that's, yes, I, I can see that. And the first time, I had actually never seen myself writing one. And then the first one I did was actually the second book that I released as Riley. And it was a dream. And it was really, really weird because I knew it was very lucid. I knew I was dreaming, but I, I, I saw it like play out. And when I woke up, I again, jotted it down. And then I was like, I can't write this right now. I don't know if I can do this book justice, first of all. Second of all, I had just had Collide come out, which was my first Riley book, and I and it was going to be a series. And I'm like, okay, the smart me 
would finish this series. But my news is like, no, these guys want their story told. And so, so I told it. And then I wasn't sure if I would ever again, like I said, write another one because it's not easy. But when the story's there, I kind of got to tell it. <laughs> you mentioned, obviously, that Finding Ian is very different than Awkward Love. And both of those books are very different than Beautiful and Terrible Things. You write across so many different tropes and subgenres. You, you've got your separate pen name even that does YA. Mm -hmm. So you're all over the place. What keeps you on the move? And how do you balance, as you just mentioned, like the smart Riley, as you, call, as you called mm -hmm. yourself, versus what your muse is like, do this? I... I'm a very, very, very big believer of following your creativity and your muse. It might not always be the smart business decision at the time, but writing is my passion and it's hard for me to force it. And I have done that in the past, in the beginning, especially more so. And I promised myself that I wouldn't do that again. And I write a lot and I write fairly quickly, but I think that it, it just keeps me going. I, I, I could not write the same kind of story over and over because I think writing would lose its appeal to me. I need something fresh. And one, once I do one type of book or, or a couple in a row, I need something totally different just to kind of like keep me going, I think, and just challenge myself. I'm big on challenging myself and trying to do different things. And I just feel like I have so many different stories inside me and kinds of stories that I want to tell that I don't believe in limiting myself. Do you have favorites, either tropes or playing in subgenres that are kind of your favorite to dig into? When it comes to tropes, I am simple with like friends to lovers, I think will always be my favorite, which probably comes also from my love of writing friendships and people. I also have a thing for best friend's brother for some reason. I don't know why, but I love, <laughs> I love best friend's brother books. And so I would say that I'm, a contemporary girl at heart, even though I have some ideas of other things going on. I, I love YA, but mostly I think I just want to write good love stories, <laughs> good romances, whether it's emotional, whether it's funny. I just want to tell good stories and give people happily ever afters. You mentioned you've got things bubbling around in your head. Is, is there something you really want to try and haven't quite taken the plunge on yet? Yes, I really, really want to write some mystery suspense. I'm not quite brave enough yet. Like you said, when you were talking about the trio book, wanting to make sure that I can do it justice. And so at some point, I will do that. <laughs> but I love to read. I love to read mystery um, with romance in it too. I also have a fantasy-ish like I'm calling it fantasy-ish because I don't know exactly and I actually the idea from that came because I bought a pre-made cover I those are so here. dangerous aren't they I You're know like, that's no, pretty I, I want that you gotta do yes. something with it <laughs> exactly. And I've had this for like two and a half years. And so I have a notebook. I'm big on notebooks and taking notes with ideas for that story. I haven't fleshed it all the way out yet, but I've already told friends, you know, expect to be brainstorming with me. My hope, I really want to tackle the fantasy idea this year. That's a goal for me. And so 
hopefully some point we'll have a fantasy and we'll have mystery and then I also kind of want to get back to my roots a little which is YA I really really miss writing YA too there's something just so pure and and fresh and special about YA I'm excited you're thinking about romantic suspense because I do love romance and with that suspense mystery element given your thing with good friends and found family i can just like ooh, that's gonna be good when it happens thank you Uh, yeah i gotta find the right story (laughs) hopefully soon (laughs) and fantasy fantasy is another one of those things that scares me because of the world building and making sure you're doing it right and giving away what you need to, but not piling too much on. And... See, and that's the thing. And if I like Christy and I have Forevermore and Ever After, which we did, which are retellings there. One is very, very, very loosely Cinderella. And then the other is Snow White retelling. And so those kind of got me a little bit excited, even though they're not quite fantasy, but they kind of are too. I mean, it's not in a real world. And so that kind of got me thinking about it more. And then with that cover. So I think like that was my first step. And so now I've just got to get the rest of the way. But like, I know friends who, you know, Max Walker one too, he loves fantasy. So I've already told him, he's like, well, we'll just talk and hopefully he can help because that's my biggest fear too, to that with the world building, I'm very much a character writer. And so the world building part scares me the most, but it excites me too. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) When you were on the show the first time, we didn't get to really delve into your backstory very much. What got you started writing? I've always loved writing. First of all, I won like writing contests in in elementary school. And I even remember the theme of one. It was through our school district and it was Tomorrow's Leaders on the Move. And that was my first writing contest that I won. And so I've always been a writer in that way. I, I wanted to write children's books when I was young. And then life happened and I got married and I had babies and you know, I had to work. And to me, writing was like being a celebrity. It was like being a movie star, <laughs> that dream that <laughs> doesn't really happen. And then we moved from Oregon to California. And so I went from small town where I grew up and knew everyone to Southern California where I knew no one. And I was a stay at home mom for the first time. And my husband was working like 70 hours a week. (laughs) Yes, it was probably one of the hardest times in my life. And that's when I fell in love with reading again. I just hadn't taken the time to read. I was busy and doing my own thing. And I fell in love with reading again. And then I started reading romance and I had never read romance before. And it just clicked I was like where's this been all my life like this (laughs) this is it you know this is what I'm supposed to do and so I mean this was 2005 ish so this was quite a while ago and it was a different world back then when it comes to writing I mean it was you write a book you query agents you get a million rejections you write another book you query And that's what you did to be able to make it. And so that's what I started to do. I started to write and then I joined online critique groups and I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I remember the first note when someone told me you're head hopping and I was like, what's that? I'm what? (laughs) (laughs) So I had no idea. And then so I joined RWA at that time and my local group, they had published authors in it and they took, they taught a romance writing class. And so I took that 
which helped me a lot. And I published with some small press publishers in the beginning, nothing to write home about. It wasn't, <laughs> didn't go very far, but I just kept going and I kept, I started in romance and then I kind of started writing some YA at the time. And that was when I got my first agent and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I finally made it. And then they put my book on submission and it did not sell. And I lost that agent. And then I had my second agent. And then I lost my second agent. <laughs> it was a long road. But then 2012 is when I self-published for the first time. And that was kind of the beginning of self-publishing really taking off. From there, I sold to Grand Central and I wrote for them for a little while. And then I fell in love with writing gay romance. And it just, I'd always felt more comfortable writing from the male point of view. It's even when I wrote MF, it was almost always from the guy's point of view, or it was alternating. Like I just, I feel more comfortable for some reason. And it just kind of fit again. And it felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And I've been happy here ever since. <laughs> How did you find your way to MM? Was there a gateway book that you read or just your desire to write from the male point of view? Um, there was, I believe the first one that I read was Faith and Fidelity by Terry Michaels. And I fell in love with it, but I remember being curious and wanting to before I had read that. But once I read it, I was like, okay, this feels right for me. And it kind of just my love grew from there. And I had wanted to for a while, but then I was in contract with all of this other stuff that I had to do, you know, so it was kind of piecing together and kind of getting there. And then I was writing mostly as an IRA at the time, but then I released, I'd actually sold my first MM as an IRA before I released my first MM as Riley. <laughs> so it was, you know, the timing was kind of weird. But then the Nairay one came out after the Riley one did. But yeah, it, it feels like home. <laughs> Do you have any authors who are inspirations and influences for you? I put a lot of thought into this question. <laughs> and it's so funny because I even texted both Devin and Christina and I was like, there are so many authors that I love. Of course, there are so many authors that I love. But the one name that stuck out to me and that I would say for sure is an inspiration to me is David Levithan. I don't know if that's how you say it. I mean, I don't even write YA all the time now. And so it's in some ways, it's kind of funny that I would choose him. But I think that he writes humans so well like humanity <laughs> you know I think he makes you feel things that not everyone can do and like the small nuances of being human he does so well and I I love that so much that it just I connect with that and I want to be able to make people feel the way he does or the way I felt when I read Two Boys Kissing like I will never forget how I felt when I read that book and I would love to be able to make people feel that way. And I've always said that my career goal that like I want to try to accomplish one day before I die is to write a YA and for him to be the editor, <laughs> which will probably never happen. Can but you that imagine? is like my, mm -hmm. you know, like I can't imagine. I just I really I I don't even know what it is about him, but I just feel his books 
especially like I said, Two Boys Kissing, that just will, I think, always be my favorite books. The way that he not only writes humans, as you said, which is always extraordinary, the number of ways he tells a story. But you look at books like Every Day and then Two Boys Kissing. Yeah, and, yes. And How the, does he do that? I would never I know, think. Right? I would never think to do it. And even before I started Two Boys Kissing, when I was like, wait, it's narrated. But, you know, like I was not sure I would like the way it was written. But I just, I fell in love with it. And he just, there's just something special about his writing. And I feel like through the the stories that he tells and the people that he writes, he makes me see the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I would love for someone to be able to say that about me one day. <laughs> I love your choice because he's on my list too for like the author to influence yes. me because of those very reasons. And I met him one time at the LA Times Festival of Books and I was the biggest dorkiest fangirl that there ever is like I had made a shirt that had like my favorite quotes <laughs> like you know he's probably like security <laughs> that's awesome though I mean because sometimes you got to play the 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 fan role yeah you do for sure <laughs> yeah. what would you say the trademarks of your books are regardless of like the tropes or the genres or whatever that you're doing? I'm a character writer for sure. I, I just am. I think people expect that from me and know that I try to write very real and flawed characters. I love people who don't always do the right thing or screw up or don't always think the way they should. You know, we're all flawed. Everyone sees what we want them to see. And so I love writing real people that are flawed like we all are. And I think that that's what readers expect from me. Flawed characters, real characters, hopefully, character-driven stories. And I think the found family thing is also a pretty big theme in a lot of my books. And I like how you write, I almost don't like the word flaws. Because no, I mean, I somebody agree. like Jameson, yeah. Jameson certainly sees himself as flawed. But he's not, no. But he's exactly. not, he's just him. Mm -hmm. And that's, I like how throughout that book, people don't view him as flawed, they view him as him. And he's the mm -hmm. one who views that he's got this problem that he wishes yeah. he could, you know, stop being that way. But I think how real is that in a lot of ways too with a lot of Absolutely. us you know what I mean and so you're right maybe flawed isn't the right word because we do we all see ourselves so differently than other people do and the things about myself that that might drive me crazy about myself is what my husband thinks is super cute or, or whatever it, it's just <laughs> funny how that how that works sometimes what's a book that you've read recently that you would recommend to our listeners I read Project Hero by Briar Prescott, which was super, super cute. I was in the mood for something snarky and fun and just to make me smile. <laughs> and that book did it. I smiled the whole way through it. It was it was really fun read. Let There Be Light, I read by A.M. Johnson, and I really love that she writes beautifully. I, I'm a big fan of people who put words together in ways that I could never think to do. <laughs> you know, when you just mm -hmm. read something and you can't help but highlight it, you're like, gosh, how did they think to say that that way? And she does that in that book. 
I read Grumpy Bear by Slade James. And I loved it. I'm so happy that he's writing. I think that he's a voice we really, really need in our genre. So I hope everyone reads that. And I really loved it. Yeah, Will read Uncut Wood, which he reviewed on the show mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks back and loved it. And he's already read Grumpy Bear too. He he has sung its praises, and he'll actually be reviewing it on the on an upcoming show. But he loved it too. And yeah. We're so excited that Slade's writing as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really, really am, and and I had known that he was planning on it, but I hadn't obviously hadn't read anything. And then he was kind enough to send me the arc, and I just I do I love his voice. I love the authenticity in his his storytelling. I, I, I'm so excited for everyone to be able to read it, and I can't wait for more from him. Yeah. Us too, for sure. You've hinted a little bit of things coming up this year. Another stumbling into love book, uh, a couple other things. Tell us more. What can you tease us about that's on your calendar? Um, well, the good, I'm actually a little ahead right now. So I'm working on the stumbling book, but I already have another book that's in editing too. And this one is, which I've announced that one of them's a football player, but I haven't announced this part yet that I will, but it's a football player and a United States Senator. So that oh. was, I really wanted to test myself with some pretty big external conflict. <laughs> I think a lot of conflict is internal in, in romance novels, which is great. And I love that too, but I wanted some high stakes and some external conflict for them. And so I, I mean, they, both have busy schedules and they one lives in California and one lives in Georgia. And so I, you know, it's just, just keep powering how do on. They, yes. How do they make it work? And so that will be after finding Ian, that will be my actual release. And then, like I said, I'm hoping this year that I will get to the fantasy and I really do want to write another YA, but that if I do that, then that will go to my agent to go on submission instead of self-publishing it. So who knows if or when <laughs> we'll be seeing that. <laughs> how many books do you try to write in a year? I don't give myself a number that I just, I, I write fast, so I'm lucky there. And it is I, my full-time job. I mean, I get up at eight o'clock in the morning and I get on my computer and I write at least Monday through Friday. Those are when the world was normal and my kids were in school. It was even earlier. They, my husband would bring them and they left at seven and I got up and got on my computer and no one was home until three o'clock. And so that was my writing time. And so I try to be really consistent with that. Outside of that, for me, I love to write, so I'm always doing it, even probably when I should be taking breaks. I write a lot on the weekends and stuff. It's like the only thing in my life, really, that's mine. You know what I mean? And so I write a lot, and I'm always working on something. So I don't give myself a set number. I just, when I finish one thing, I start another one, and we see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. It's great that you have that system and that you're able to just consistently kind of keep going. Uh, and I think that's why I have to do different things too. Like we talked about, if I was only writing one kind of story, I don't think that I would be able to write as much as I do or feel as passionate about it. But because I kind of try to test myself and, and challenge myself and think of different ways or, or different go from something super heavy to something super light to it kind of mm -hmm. just keeps me feeling fresh. How can people keep up with you online to know when all this good stuff is coming out? After <laughs> finding 
Well, my website is RileyHartWrites.com. Facebook, Riley Hart. Twitter is RileyHart5. And Instagram is RileyHartWrites. Fantastic. We will put links to all of that, plus all the books we talked about in the show notes so that everybody can go find those. Riley, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. It's been so great to catch up with you and look forward to reading all this good stuff coming out. Thank you for having me. I had fun. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. So you heard Riley talk a little bit about the third book in the Stumbling into Love series. And the time that we talked, I hadn't quite finished Awkward Love yet. I was headed into the final 25%. I now understand who the next book is about. Holy crap, it was so good. Now, no spoilers here. We'll talk all about that in the book club episode, and you'll find out exactly what blew my mind about all that. All right, I think that's going to do it for right now. Coming up next Monday in episode 287, we've got an episode chock full of recommendations for you as we catch up on what we've been reading and watching. Yeah, January may have been a heck of a month, but boy, did we read and watch some really good stuff, and we'll tell you all about that next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, everyone, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.